you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. This morning, I want to bring your attention to a passage of Scripture that um, uh, will help you today, no matter where you're at in your life. Um, Can I tell you what? There's somebody here that is probably lost this morning. I believe with all my heart that there's somebody here that's saved. Um, at the same time. So you can, you can say everybody in this room is somewhere in their lifetime and we're, uh, this, this, I believe this message could fit you, um, wherever you're at. And so this morning, I want to preach a little different this morning on a different thought and a different topic than uh, maybe you've heard before. Um, But I want to bring your attention to something and I want your mind to go somewhere with me. I want you to take your mind to the graveyard. Yeah, that turned dark pretty quick, didn't it? Take your mind to the graveyard. And I want you to think of a tombstone that comes to your mind. And I want you to look at that tombstone in your mind and I want you to think about what you see. Every tombstone has a lot of similarities. Can I say this? Most every tombstone has numbers. Most every tombstone has dates. Most every tombstone has names. Um, But there is one thing on a tombstone that will not change no matter who it is. No matter who's on there, no matter if, in in like my dad's case, for example, his name's on a tombstone, but he's here today, all right? He's standing right over. I hope y'all do see him, right? Y'all do see him here, all right? This ain't a figment of my imagination, all right? He's here, but his name's on a tombstone. Um, There's a number missing on the end, and that number's going to be real big one day. It's going to be many, many years from now. But even even on his side of the tombstone, there's something uh, that everybody else has in common. Something very small that you probably ever looked over when you've seen a tombstone. And that is the little dash on a tombstone. And I want to preach this morning on that little dash. Every one of us has a birth date. If you're living here today, guess what? You got a birthday. I I think that's something we could all agree on. Everybody in here got a birthday? Everybody, Colts is coming up this week. Lord have mercy. He's going to be six years old this week. Every one of us got a birth date, a birth year that we were born in. Can I tell you this right here? There in tombstones, there's a death year. Can I tell you what? Jesus knows, or God knows. Jesus, we're all three and one, one and three. He knows our birth date and He knows our end date. He already knows when we're going to die. He knows past time, present time, future time, all at the same time. He knows that. And so, but what I want to preach on this morning is the one thing on a tombstone that you can control. You can't control the time you were born. You have, no, you have zero control of that. And can I tell you what? You've got zero control of when you die. You have zero control of that. But can I tell you what you do have control of? Is the little dash. There's so much that can be said about that little dash or there is so little that could be said about that little dash. I thought about that dash. You know, even a murderer, someone who's committed murder and they've went to death row and they have have gotten their punishment for the murder they committed, they even have a dash on their tombstone. Can I tell you what? Even a little baby that was born, that died premature, they they got a tombstone, they've got a dash on the tombstone. There's a dash there. There was a moment in time that we all have control of. And so I want to look at that this morning. So first of all, in the way of introduction this morning, I want to look at this thought right here. What is life? According to our Bible, what is life? In the world in which we live in. How many times have we all been on the beach? All been up in the mountains, tucked away in a cabin somewhere? And we lay and put our arms behind our heads and say, just like Kyler is right now, that's pretty funny. Put his hands behind his head. This is the life. You know, yesterday we laid the boys down for a quick little nap and both of them walked in there and they had their hands behind their head. And if you could get in their mindset, they're sitting there watching cartoons. They probably thought in their mind, this is the life. 
But what does the Bible say that life is? Let's take a look at it this morning. Number one, the, for a way of introduction, it says that life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. J- uh, James 4.14, we just read. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I want to give you a little illustration this morning. It's, it's kind of silly, but I want to give you a little illustration. Uh, I almost done this this morning, but I didn't. If you were to take a rope and tie it from one end of this building to the other, I almost did. We had those little hooks up there, almost done it. And put a knot in the middle of it. That's your life. Your whole that, that one little knot represents your entire lifetime. You can't control anything but what's on that little dot or what's on that little knot. If you want to look at it like that, and your life is short. You know, and I, we was realize we realized it again this week just how short life was with the, with the tragic passing of Miss Faith's brother, fifty-two years old, went home not feeling good. He just went home, not feeling good, went and laid down for a nap, never woke up. Life is short. I, I, it's, it's been on my mind lately. Uh, I'm not as young as I once was. I'm not as old as I want to be uh, one day, but I'm not as young as I once was. And you, I was thinking about this right here, life expectancy for a man. I'm getting close to that middle age. I don't like it. Uh, that ain't a good thought to have. Um, I think about some of you in here um, are closer to the other end of the spectrum than I am. Uh, you can say, old man, or old me on that, but it's the truth. But can I tell you what? Even the oldest person in here could outlive everybody else in here because we don't know when God is going to pull our time card and it's time for us to be caught up out of here and to be gone. We don't know when that is. It's like a vapor. Life is like a vapor. It's gone. Before it even starts, sometimes it's even gone. I think about a shadow. What the Bible says, it's a shadow. First Chronicles 29.15 says this, For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers, our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is a none abiding. A shadow. Think about this about a shadow. A shadow only lasts for a day. When, uh, at night it ends. Work while it is day, night cometh when no man should work. Uh, and and it's, it's like a shadow. It's here and it's gone. It's here and gone. That's what life is. I'm talking about what the Bible says life is this morning. Look right here. The Bible says life is a vapor. The Bible says life is a shadow. But look right here. Um, the Bible says life is but a few days. Job said this in Job 14.1, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is a flower in Job 14.2. He says he cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a, sh- as a shadow and continueth not. Life is like a flower. Look right here what he says in, in the book of Psalms 39.5. It says, behold thou, mayst, uh, uh, thou hast made my days as a hand breath and mine age this is nothing before thee. Verily, uh, verily, every man is at his best state is altogether vanity. Um, uh, let me read that right. Um, verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Uh, vanity is what the Bible says. What man at his very best is it? But life is is just a hand breath. It's just a uh, it's just it's just a short amount of time. Life is short. When I look at life and as kids, I could imagine if we were to. Take all of the kids under the age of 15 in this room right here. I think that covers all of them. I wasn't sure uh, his, not his age or not, but 15. We co- I'm, I'm sure it's probably around 10, right? 11, 12, going on 30. No, something like that. No, I'm just picking. Uh, but uh, if, we were to, if we were to take a poll of those five children right there and we were to say, uh, uh, what is life to you? Or, or They would say, life is long. How big is life? It's huge. It's a long time between now and the time that they get to my age at 32. I remember being in youth church one time and thinking, uh, uh, not youth church, let me give you this example, this better example. We was, in, we was in Proteins, which is our teenage group one time. I think Caitlin was in there. 
during those. And I talked to the kids, used, used 9-11 as an example. And Daddy, they wasn't a single one of them alive in 9-11 when I gave them the example. They, they didn't, they, none of them was alive. And I went, holy cow, I'm old. <laughs> uh, when you realize that they wasn't alive when, when, when the Twin Towers came down, it, blows my mind. it blew my mind completely anyway. But life is so short. Um, I used to remember thinking, man, when I, get, when I get 20 years old, man, I can't wait. 20 was gone like that right there. My 20s flew by. I'm hoping my 30s will slow down a little bit. I told him this when I turned 30, I'm, t- I'm making the, new, the 30s as the new 20s. All right, y'all just hang on a minute, all right? Uh, uh, but life is gone. Life is, life is quick. It's instantaneously, it's short, and it's gone. It's only here for a little while. The Bible says it's a grass. Um, uh, and 1 Peter 1, I'm getting somewhere, I promise. 1 Peter 1.24 says this, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass wither and the flower of the, uh, thereof falleth away. That ver- the, the next verse goes on to say, But the word of God will stand forever. But we're looking at the, the fact that, the, that life today is a grass. It's gone. It's here and gone. Uh, grass has seasons. I say, there's so many comparisons about life. And so many times in life we have the ups and downs. We have those times in our life where we're green as the grass. And there's times we, we feel like we're as dead and brown like it is in the wintertime. Um, and that's when my daddy can't wait to see the, when wintertime comes. He don't have to mow no more. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, the brown grass, that's what it's talking about. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. The Bible even goes on to say that it's the wind. Psalm 78, 39, For he remembereth that day were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Uh, it's, and what I'm trying to get here too is life is short. You say, even if I live to be a hundred years old, it's still short. You look at it from the, from the aspect of time, and uh, you look at the, I believe they said the, I'll look it up this week, the oldest person alive today is like 120, 121 years old. But if you look at 120 years ago, and the, 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 the how small that is on the time frame of the, of the existence of this world, it's real little. Um, it's real little. You say you think the world's been around for a billion years? No, I do not. According to my Bible, the, word, the, word, the world has only been around around ten to 12,000 years, according to my Word of God. Uh, according to the Bible, that's about as far as long as it's been. It's not 10 million years old. It's not 20 billion years old. God made it appear that way, but it's only about ten to 12,000 years old according to our Bible. Uh, but anyway, life, no matter what though, even, in, even 120 years counted in 10,000 years, it's, it's nothing. It's like a vapor. It's gone. What is life? Look right here. Life is... Uh, a vapor, and look at this right here. But look right here, look at the varieties. Death comes to all ages. I think in my lifetime, we've seen death go across the whole board as into when we lost the baby, before the baby was even uh, five weeks uh, conceived, and we lost the baby. Um, that's, that's before the existence. It's a very short, not even born, um, but not, not, not even born alive. I think about this right here, life sometimes is not just very short, but it can be short in general. Um, uh, our Lord has no respect of person. God, when it comes to death, when it comes to this world, when it comes to, God has no respect of person. He don't care who you are. He don't care what position you have. Um, if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't put yourself in a bubble. If God pulls your time card, it's over. Um, Psalms 89.47 says this, Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? Uh, 89.48 says this, What man is... He that liveth and shall not see death, shall he deliver his soul from the hand of his grave? Selah. Even the young will die in innocent. Even their, their death comes to the, 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 the very young ones. Death comes to the ones that are not, not, that, not that old. Death could come at the ones who uh, live in their middle ages. You know, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not above not seeing the service tonight. You know, God could pull my time card and, and I could die today. That's how short uh, life really is. 
Even if you were to live what we would call a long life, the Bible says this, Psalms 90 and 10 and 12, it says the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and by reason of strength they be fourscore years. Yet their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may be able, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I looked this up this week and I thought this was interesting. The average age of, the, of a male today is 76.7 years. 76.7 years old is the average life expectancy of a male. Ladies, I guess y'all make smarter decisions and y'all get 81 and a half years. Uh, I don't understand how women outlive men during those days, but, uh, but, but that just happens sometimes. But 81 and a half years old. And so I want to look this morning at what is life. And I want to, answer, I want, I want to ask you this question. If you could look at your time frame and if you were to take on a piece of paper, and I, I challenge you to do this and hang it on your, uh, hang it on your uh, refrigerator. I challenge you to do this. Take a white piece of paper draw a straight line through the middle of it. And on the left-hand side, I want you to make a vertical line. And at that vertical line, I want you to put your birth date. Mine will say 5-7-1991, the year of our Lord, 1991. Daddy remembers that day is the best day of his life. Um, but uh, uh, the, anyway, <laughs> we'll go there. But uh, at the end of it, I want you to put another line and just put death there on it if you want to, or you can put 75 to 80 years old because that's about what you're going to live if you live expectancy, 75 to 80 years old. And sometime, somewhere in the middle of that line, I want you to draw another line. All right? And I want you to put present on top of that, present time, where we're at in today. And then I want you to look at that space from the present time to your birth year, okay, to the year you was born. I want you to look at that space. And think about that space for a minute and realize you can't change it. There is nothing that you can do to change that. Don't, don't, don't ponder there. Don't, don't think about that too long. I want you to jump over to the other side of that, dash, that middle dash line of that present line. And there's why I want to ask my question today. What are you going to do with the time that you've got left? None of us know how much time we have. You know, I may only have a couple hours. I don't know. But what are you going to do with the time that you've got left. And I'll look at a few things here and back to look what the Bible says we should do. 1 Peter 4.1 tells us what we should do. Let's read it again. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. I love this, this phrase right here and it just stuck out to me uh, while I was reading it this morning. I didn't even catch it when I was studying this week, but I caught it this morning. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. So have the mind of Christ. We're going to get there in just a minute. But arm yourself with it. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Verse number two, that he no longer, this is talking about you, what you should do with the rest of your life, that you, he, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. But look at that last phrase right there, but to the will of God. Before I go any further this morning, I do want to say this. It is the will of God that every person in this room be saved. Can I tell you that right now? If you're lost this morning, it is the will of God that you come to the saving grace knowledge of God. And that means that you realize that you're lost and realize that you need God. That's the first step. Can I tell you what? If there's something you don't know what to do with the rest of your life, start it right now and turn it over to God. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've been through. That's exactly right. I don't know. But I know one that does. And I know one that cares. And I know one that loves. And I know one that can solve every problem you've got. I know one that can be a friend when no one else can be a friend. I know one that's been there for me and he'll be there for you if you'll just accept him this morning.
But I want to look at this right here. What should we do with the time that we have left? Number one, it's not alliterated this morning. It bugs me that it's not alliterated, but it, it'll be all right. It's not alliterated this morning, but it'll get you. We'll, we'll wonder, you'll get what I'm coming from. Number one this morning, what should we do with the time that we have left? This is, this is, this is not deep. We should have the mind of God. We need to have the mind of God. You ever thought about having the mind of God and how, how awesome that would be? I, 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 there's something I've learned with technology that I've had to use at my job, and it's called calendars on my phone. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of using it. I'm not a planner. I am a fly by the seat of my britches, you know. Uh, I don't want to plan anything. I, do, I would just rather just, let's just go with it. Just My wife's a planner, all right? She is. Um, also, the people I work with are planners. My boss is a planner. Um, uh, can I tell you what I have to do sometimes? I have to plan my schedule around her. I have to get into her mind. So guess what? The only way I can get into her mind is look at her calendar. I spend more time looking at her calendar than I do my own calendar, trying to make sure things are going right. All right? And so if I need to plan something with her in two weeks, I need to have a meeting with her or have a meeting with somebody, I got to go look and get her mind and see what she's doing and what's going on. And you know what? It is pretty neat sometimes, though, that how easy it is for me to just pull up my phone and I can say, all right, let me see what I can do on this day. I, you know, I have to admit, I can, that works. It's pretty neat. How awesome would it be, though, if we had an app that we could do to get the mind of Christ? What if there was an app on our phone or our tablet that we could just click and say, and instantaneous, we have the mind of Christ. What if we had that? We do. The day you got saved, there was something that entered into you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit is? It is the mind of God. Can I tell you what the whole, you say, well, how do I find it? There's 66 books right here to tell you. 66 books. And I talked about it this morning, written over 2,000 years. In times of war and in days of peace by kings, tax collectors, fishermen, farmers, and shepherds. I, this, it's, it's, a, it's a marvel that, that, uh, that a library so perfectly cohesive could be produced by such a diverse crowd over a period of time that staggers the imagination. Jesus is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. One of my favorite sayings about the Bible from days gone by. Vance Havner said this about the Bible. He said he loves this book. He loves this Bible. He says... The first two chapters, there's no devil, there's no sin, and there's no sorrow. In the last two chapters, there's no devil, there's no sin, and there's no sorrow. I love a book that gets rid of devil, the sin, and sorrows. I love a book that does that. And our Bible does that. He's given us our guide to have the mind of Christ. Here's you another number two. I'm moving quickly this morning. Number two this morning. Number one, have the mind of God. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? Find out what God has for you and do it. Think about this right here. Do the will of God. Have the mind of God, but do the will of God. Dr. Bob, uh, doc, uh, uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said this about the will of God. He said this, success is finding God's will for your life and doing it. Yeah, I say this right now. If we were to go on vacation today, me and my wife and the kids were to head off to the beach, um, more than likely I'm not going to put it in the GPS until we get way on down the road because I, I know where I'm going. Uh, I can get to a certain point and then I may need a little help. But I know where I'm going. I don't wait for nobody else. I don't wait for anybody else to make the next move. Uh, I guarantee you, sometime after church today, somebody's going to want something to eat. And you ain't going to have to wait on nobody else to find out what you want to eat. You're going to look for it and you're going to say, where do I want that at? All right, they serve it, I'm going to get it. Or you're going to go home and open the pantry and say, honey, I want this. And she's going to make it. Or you're going to cook for her because every once in a while, man, we need to cook for them. Um, but, but anyway, that's besides the point. 
We're going to know what it is and we're going to set our mind to it and we're going to, nothing's going to stop us. We're going to do it. Why don't we do that with the will of God? When's the last time you dedicated five minutes of your prayer time? Five minutes of your prayer time just asking God what is His will for your life? When's the last time you asked God, am I doing your will? God, am I perfectly in your will? Can I say right now, my desire is to pastor Pleasant View Baptist Church till the day I die. Until y'all have my funeral right there and bury me somewhere in Surrey County. I don't even care. I, I ain't going to be there long, so I don't even care where you bury me. Just bury me somewhere, all right? Don't let my wife burn me, though, all right? Don't let her do it, all right? I don't want to be a marshmallow, all right? Don't, just don't let her do that. Anything but that, all right? Don't let, her, don't let her sell my body to science and they let me decompose out in the woods somewhere. Don't let her do it, all right? That's my, that's my plan. I want the will of God, is, or my will is what I desire, is to pastor this church until I take my last breath. And God's not dealing with me to do anything else but pastor this church. But if God sent me to Durka Durkistan, I'll tell you what I need to do. I'm going to pack my bags. I would say set my GPS, but I think I'm going to have to get on a plane to get across some of these places. And I'm going to go and I'm going to find the will of God. If God told me that, my, that His will was for me to do anything but Pastor Pleasant View Baptist Church, I'd find it and I would search it and I would go for it. I would. Are you doing that though? Are you searching full-heartedly, wholeheartedly the will of God? You may say, well, I'm not educated enough to do the will of God. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Can I tell you who God wants? He wants the ones that can't. He wants the ones that don't have their stuff together. You ever got on social media? And social media, I'm telling you, it makes me so mad. You say, preacher, didn't you just create a social media page for our church? I did. But it makes me so mad because they put up a false persona of what life truly is. So many people on Facebook, you'll say, look, man, they're on their fifth vacation this year, this month. And you're like, man, they've got it figured out. They got it figured out. But guess what? They probably don't. The real life that is behind what we see on social media ain't there. I've seen so many pictures now. Have y'all seen this new thing called AI? I think I'm going to download the app and see what it turns me into. Uh, I may actually look handsome for a change. All right, it may take me and give me... Could y'all imagine me with hair? It may give me hair. I mean, mine's running away from me. Look, I have the potential. I don't know what ever happened. My daddy's got plenty of hair. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, what is it that we need to do? Find the will of God for your life. Find the mind of God. Find the will of God. And do this. Remember... We will give an account for what we've done. Can I tell you what? If you're saved this morning, this part of the message is probably to the saved more than it is anybody. But to the saved this morning, when you made that line on that piece of paper and you drew the one in the present, you may draw another one past that present, a little bit behind. You may draw another one and say, my born again date. We all have that date. When that date when we was born again. I think... I don't know for sure the dates. Uh, there's a Bible somewhere at Dad's that's got it wrote in it, the actual day that I got saved. I think it was sometime around Christmas in 1996. Um, that would have been close. I, I'm pretty sure that's close about it. But I don't know the exact date. It's in that Bible somewhere. But, I mean, I, I, just, know what, I just know what happened. Uh, a date ain't going to make or break it for me. I know what happened that day. And I know that right there in front of Daddy's gun cabinet, God changed my life forever. Did I understand what happened that day? Absolutely not. Took me a while to understand what happened that day, but I know what happened to me that change took place in me took place right there in front of the gun cabinet that night. But the, you could draw a line back and you may put your, your born again date, uh, the day you got saved, you put that on there. Now, when you look at that date and 
you draw that line, anything from there back, you don't even have to give an account for it. The blood of Jesus covers all that. The, the blood of Calvary, if you're saved, the blood of Jesus covers every bit of that. We talked this morning in Sunday school about uh, the Sardin stone right there in the book of Revelation when describing the throne of God. That Sardin stone is a stone that looks like blood. It's blood. And can I tell you what? When you walk in the throne room of God today, it's not some squeaky clean palace. Can I tell you what the throne room of God is today? It's the throne of God that's got blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins coming right off of it. It's a bloody place. But it's that blood is what cleansed us from all our unrighteousness. It's, it's, what's, it's what saved us. But you're, this cover, all that's covered by the blood. Can I tell you what you will give an account for though? Everything that you've done since that line up until your death. You will give an account for that. Can I say this right here? There's... People say this right here, and, and, and there is no tears in heaven. Understand that. But there will be some tears there. There will be some tears in heaven. And we're, if you come to Sunday school, here's a little plug for Sunday school. You come to Sunday school, we're going to cover that. All right? We're going to cover that time frame of when tears are wiped away. But tears are not wiped away until after the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is when all that are lost come before God and they're judged. And He says, depart from me. Um, uh, you that work iniquity, I'm not quite exactly right, but he'll say, depart from me. I knew you not, you that work iniquity. He will, he will cast them in uh, uh, to the lake of fire. They'll be cast into torment forever. Um, and so tears are not wiped away. You say, what do you mean? It's until after that. That means every person that you walk by in your life that you didn't witness to and God told you to witness to, you're going to have to give an account for why you didn't witness to them. As they walk by, they're going to say, you knew about this and you didn't tell me. You knew about this and you didn't tell me. You knew about how good that was. You knew I was going to end up here and you didn't tell me. I promise you, you're going to cry when they say that. Then after that judgment is when tears are wiped away. That's that's not my opinion, that's Bible. That's what the Bible says. We we can take time to cover it, I just ain't going to do it this morning. But what the Bible says, tears are not wiped away until after that moment. I heard this one time, this is a great illustration. I wish I knew his last name. Do anybody remember the, 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 the magician's? Penn and, uh, Penn and Teller, they used to have a TV show where they used to shoot the bullet at each other. Y'all remember that? And they catch it in their teeth. It's old toe. They're, they're, they're atheists is what they are, honestly. It's who they are. Um, but Penn is the big tall guy and the little guy. If y'all seen him, I guarantee you know who I'm talking about. Penn and Teller, I think that's who it is. Anyway, Penn said this to a guy one time. There was a guy who showed up to their show every week. He'd show up. And he'd wait hours and hours and hours to have an opportunity to speak to him. And for months, he's seen this guy at every show. At every show, he saw this guy. And eventually, he finally took the time and said, I'm going to see that guy. Bring him to me. And they took him into his dressing room, and he began to talk to him, and he began, this man began to witness to him. And Penn said, though I don't believe in God, he said this right here in a, in a quote in the video. He said, no, I don't believe in God. He said, if I did, it would be the God that he served. He said, he said think about this right here. How ashamed would we all be if we saw someone in the road and a train coming at them to hit them or a car coming at it and hit them, we don't tell them to get out of the way. He said, ain't nobody in this world would do that. He said, but how many Christians know that it is the right thing to do to share the gospel with people, but yet they don't tell them? That train of death is coming. That, that vehicle of death to hit them, to take them out into eternity is coming. It's our job to warn them that it's on the way. It's our job that no, they may not be able to escape death, they can escape the punishment of death. They can escape, they can pass from death unto life into heaven. We can share that with them. And this was an atheist that said, 
if I did believe in God, I would want to serve the one he was telling me about because he cared enough about me to share it. Do you care enough about the Lord? I mean, do you care enough about uh, lost people that you would warn them that judgment's coming? And can I tell you this morning, church, judgment is coming. The wrath of God. You say, I'm not going to get into details of how wicked I think the world is because I think it is. But also, I'll say this about our world, it could get worse. America is, is in rough shape right now, but it could be worse. Can I tell you right now, I'm standing here in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a suit and tie carrying my King James Bible preaching the Word of God. I never worried one time somebody's going to come in that door and try to stop me. If they did, Zach's going to stand up and stop them for me. All right, he was going to, he was going to put a stop to it. But either way, I, I didn't worry about that this morning. Never crossed my mind is the government going to come tell me I can't preach the Word of God. It could get worse, church, and let me say it will be. The Bible talks about this, about the coming of the Lord. All of that won't take place until there's a great falling away. I'll just say this. There's, not been a, there's been a falling away, but there's not been a great falling away. You go on the news, you can still hear people talk about the Lord. Wait till the day to where you're put in jail for talking about the Lord. It's happening in China today. There's, a, there's missionaries, there's at least three missionaries that I could tell you about right now that are in foreign countries that if their names were to get out, they'd be put to death for the work that they're doing. They're worrying every day that they're going to be alive just for preaching. So it could get worse, all right? It could get worse. But what we need to do is not get complacent, and we need to start serving God wholeheartedly. We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to do the will of God. We need to remember that we're going to give an account for everything that we've done for the Lord. But look at this right here. We need to have fervent love. Can I tell you something the church is missing? It's giving the love. I said this and during Sunday school, and I'll say it again. It makes my blood boil when I see um, the LGBTQ community take a rainbow and just destroy it the way that they do. The, the rainbow, the colors of the rainbow are the description that John gives, that Ezekiel gives, that um, uh, um, Isaiah gives, that Jeremiah gives. They all give this a description of the throne room of God and what's taken around the throne room of God. There's no sin in the throne room of God. So why can this community take what is, uh, what is the beauty of God and pollute it in their sin? I don't understand it. You say, are you that much against them? Absolutely I am. But let me just tell you this right here. Every gay person, every lesbian person, if they hear this podcast, they can hear my voice. I love you, but I hate your sin. I love, the, 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 I love each and every person. I love them all, but I hate the sin that they're living in. The drunkard on the street, can I tell you what? I love them, but I hate the sin that they're in. The murderer that is sitting in the jail cell tonight, I love him. I love her, but I hate the sin that got them there. I hate the sin that they're living in. And it's time that we have that mindset. We can love that person and still hate their sin. You say, well, just because this world has a mindset that you stand against something, you hate them. No, I just I love the person. I just hate what they're doing. I hate the life that they chose to live. We need to have some love in us. Can I tell you what the church is missing today? It's love. My pastor, I say this about him all the time. He can sit there and chew somebody out, and when they get, he gets done chewing them out, you'll look at him and say, I love you. Because that's just what he does. He, does, he, can, he can confront you, but do it out of love. I've seen him do it. I, th- I told the story about a young preacher. Poor Dakota, I've shared him a bunch. I need to have him here and preach for us just so y'all know who he is. Poor Dakota, I've seen him sit in some meetings. I'm telling you, Miss Michelle, I'd have left church and never had nothing to do with it. But he looked at the preacher and said, I love you. And I'm like, you do? 
you sure? <laughs> like, I'm scared for you right now. You know, I, I, and, and, but we can do it out of love. The problem is, can I tell you what this world's going to try to do? When you say something's wrong, when you say there's something about that the Bible says is wrong and you confront it today, they're going to look at you and say, you're just trying to be too good. You're just trying to, you're just trying to be a holy roller. You're just trying to be this. And you're just trying. No, if it was wrong 2,000 years ago, it's wrong today. Now, I'll just say this. And if I make anybody mad, they'll, they'll forgive me later or they won't. Can I say this right here? I don't want nothing to do with a vineyard. I don't want nothing to do with it. I care less about it. You say, why? Because they create something that is put in someone else's body that someone else will probably drink and then they will probably get in a car and drive and kill somebody or kill themselves. Why would I support that? Why? Can I tell you something that's wrong with Surrey County? The vineyards. Can I tell you what? It's the vineyards. I hate them. I, I, I wish it all go bankrupt. I do. I can't stand them. If they make grape juice, I'm fine with it. Let me, let me say this right here. One of the greatest stories of our Bible is Samson when he destroyed the lion. Samson when he destroyed the lion. He never had to face the lion in the first place. I don't have time to go into it, but if you study that out and you study his life, you, he never had to face the lion. But where did he face the lion at? Yes, he destroyed the lion. Yes, he defeated the lion, but he didn't have to. He was at the vineyard. He was down where the wine was being made at. And that is, that is devastating to me. I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't. I just don't. I don't want to associate myself with it. But so many times when we get to those things, this world's going to make you look like you are being hateful. And you're being hate. But there's a way to do it and do it out of love. There's a way to do it and confront it and do it in a loving manner. And the church needs to say love. Love is this. Love is slow to suspect and quick to trust. Love is slow to reprimand and quick to forbear. Love is slow to belittle and quick to appreciate. Love is slow to condemn and quick to justify. Love is slow to offend and quick to defend. Love is slow to demand and quick to give. Love is slow to provoke and quick uh, to consolate. Love is slow to hinder and quick to help. Love is slow to resent and quick to forgive. We need to love. Lastly, this morning, church, and I'll be done. We need to give it our best effort. With the time that you've got left, you can't control what's back here, but you can control what's in front of you. We just need to give it our best. I've gave this illustration before, and I'll give it again. Dr. Ralph Sexton was in, um, I believe it was Korea. I can't remember. I think it was Korea. It was one of them third world countries. And he was at a meeting. It was a prayer meeting, and they, they filled up the church for the prayer meeting. They had service. They filled up the church with a service. They brought them in by the busloads that, that, that night. The last night of that meeting, he preached a week-long revival. said one of the greatest revivals he'd ever been a part of. Preached a week-long revival, got to the end of it. And they, they had an altar call, and they were all praying in their language. And it was all uh, praising God in their language. And they was all started a prayer, and they could, he could tell that the atmosphere in the room had changed, and that that prayer was directed towards someone, something, someplace. It was directed somewhere, and he had to know what they were praying about because he wanted to get in on it. So he reached over to one of the interpreters and he said, what are they praying about? What are they praying about? And he said, they're praying for America. He said, because America used to send them missionaries and now they're sending missionaries to America. And it's because we've left our effort behind. 
We leave it up to the preacher to do all the work and we leave the effort behind. Can I tell you what? Pleasant View Baptist Church will be nothing if I'm the only one that does the work. If I'm the only one that here, if my family's the only one that does the work, it's never going to make it. It's going to take you, it's going to take each and every one of us to do our part and to put our best effort forward. Can I tell you what God's looking for this morning? If you're saved this morning, you know that, shout it out, you're saved. If God, can we tell you what God's looking for? He's just looking for the effort. Just looking for the effort.